Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Finding My Voice and I am back from holiday. Took a little longer than I expected because frankly I needed it. Um, I have some great stuff to talk about today, it's not going to be a long one. Um, but it's a good one, it's a great one and not at all conceited. Um, okay, a little bit conceited. <laughs> thing is, like The really, really wonderful thing I wanted to say about my transition um, is that on my holiday, I listened to some of my old episodes. I still love the ones uh, about Alvhild and the Vestmark adventures. And uh, like my, the second episode is content-wise still my favorite one because um, and there are so, there are a lot of ones that are near and dear to me, obviously. But you know that's how I got my name and everything like that. But one thing I didn't notice is that the whole purpose of this podcast has been paying off a lot more than I realized. I can't even remember if I ta told you about this previously or not in the previous episode. It's been so long now. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been months, but okay. Uh, but there's this whole, the once a friend of mine, Frida, who plays Venya in um, in the Westmark. Uh, she called me and uh, and uh, and I didn't have time to answer, so she went to voicemail and she heard my voicemail answering greeting thingy. And uh, I had not changed that since after I came out. So she she messaged me and said, "Oh, oh, oh, that's your dead name talking." Um, and I was like, oh, no, oh, sorry, thank you. Um, and I went to fix it. And when I did, I heard it. And it struck me when I heard my old voice that I didn't even recognize it. It didn't, it wasn't painful as it could usually be to hear myself and make me dysphoric because it was so far from how I sound now that it struck me as a different person. I just heard it and it's like, who is this? That's not me. And that was such a wonderful, wonderful experience. Now, of course, th that was a big difference. That was before I did any kind of voice work. And um, uh, and I started this podcast after I've done quite a bit. So, like, I always thought that the change and development from this podcast was going to be incremental and not really that noticeable. And that's how I felt. I do know I've improved. But when I listened to episodes from, like, as... as as recent as January, it's uh, right now it is July, and just just half a year ago, the difference is quite big. I mean, you get you get the podcast, you can just click back and listen to one of the first episodes and and compare that to this. I don't know, am I am I being silly? Am I am I blowing this out of proportion? I feel like there's a big difference, and I don't do things that much differently. I just focus on my techniques. And most of this comes naturally now. Not completely, not completely. I'm still making an effort to to project forwards and upwards. But even when I slip back to always, um, it's still better than when I slip back to always before. So the change is really, really, really encouraging. And that makes me so incredibly happy. That is the purpose of this podcast after all. And I feel like it's going great. Quite recently, I spoke about Frida dragging me out to to karaoke parties. I've been so afraid of singing because I can't use my voice properly while voice training because I have to make sure I don't use my old register. So, and, and, and as anyone who's practiced singing knows, you're not supposed to um, hinder your body in any way when you sing, but I have to. It's not just that I don't want to sound a certain way, but... If I am to train those old registers away, I have to not use them at all for a long time. 
And so singing one of the wonder most wonderful things I know how, what to do. Okay. Yeah, I'm back to improvised uh, flubs. <laughs> but yeah, singing is one of my favorite things in the world and I can't really do it. I still do. Just not as well and not as often publicly because I'm not as good at it anymore. But I feel like I'm getting there. Like I said in the episode, I spoke about the about the karaoke. And now, today, when I notice the difference, I feel that even more. And that makes me really, really happy. Um, I'd love some comments. Like, if you want to, like, listen to an older episode and then listen to this one and just... Just you know, tell me what comes to mind. What? How would you? How would you describe the distance? Distance? The difference? Yes. <laughs> My brain needs to wake up. No, it doesn't. I'm perfect the way I am. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm being so silly now. Uh, but yes, that was my transition-related one. It wasn't a big thing, but you know, to me, it was. Um, next week, I think I'm going to rant a bit. So look forward to that if you like rants, something that's been building up for a long time. But I wanted to make my return from from the holidays happy. And now to something I realized in role-playing, something I've been doing a lot, but I don't really talk about it. I talk a lot about creating memories and sensory information and experiencing the character and memories and then how you how emotions are something that happen to you, not something you do, and that kind of thing. I talk about that a lot, and that's, and I do believe it. I stand by it. But there's another thing I do that I didn't quite realize I was doing. It's not that, if I don't point it out, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's something I don't consciously decide to do, and that is surround myself in the culture of the character. Like, you know, in my head, obviously, I can't go out to a tavern in Faroon for real life. I mean, of course. But understanding the food habits, what's breakfast in this land? What do you do as a hobby? Do you embroider? Do you weave French bracelets? Like all those little things that make up the day that you might not ever mention in the game. You could sometimes for flavor, and that's wonderful, but to just have them in your head enriches the role-playing experience so much. And I'm not sure how to explain it. Like, I reviewed the game The One Ring by Free League. Um, it's in Swedish, so I mean, you can go to myogaming.se if you know Swedish and listen or read it there. But my main point there is that the game really uh, uses the cultural descriptions, the cultural breath, the cultural soul of Tolkien's books in the role-playing world. And I've realized that... I use that. Maybe I don't know if I got it from Tolkien. Maybe and maybe not. But I think that's what made Tolkien's work so so immortal and so magical. Not the strong trolls or the fantastic elves or the cute little hobbits that throw rocks and sneak and hide really well. That's not what made Tolkien stuff magic. Not the dwarves or uh, like goblins or anything like that. No, it's the fact that. Everything feels real. We know what the hobbits like to eat and how they cook it and how often they eat it. That's an important one. How they how they grow their food, how they live, how they party. All of that stuff makes it feel like we could visit. It makes it feel real. It feels like we know them. And if you bring that to your role playing, just consider every little mundane aspect of your character's life. What you do when you're not out adventuring. What you do for fun. What you do to relax. 
You don't have to bring it up in game, but you could. It actually it enriches stuff, even if you do it, especially if you do it together with the other characters. It's just lovely. And even if you don't bring it up, just having it in your head is lovely. And I would like to, not, not a poem this time, because uh, we um, I played one of the introductory um, adventures in The One Ring. And... Um, uh, it was pre-generated characters. It takes place after The Hobbit, so um, uh, quite a lot, quite a while before Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, at least. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was character. We all played hobbits, and it was characters that are related to people in the books. And uh, it was a very cute. The introductory adventures are very cute and full of culture, that rather than full of scary monsters and stuff. And I played Esmeralda Took, who later will become the mother of of Mary. Um, she marries a Brandybuck, and and yeah, and has uh, Mary Audrey Brandybuck is um, uh, her future son. But when I played her, she's twenty four years old, which to a hobbit, like in, in human measurement, it would be like thirteen. So she's a child. Um, and another player played uh, Paladin Took, who is who played who is uh, Esmeralda's brother, and there were a few other ones. Um, Two other players, uh, but I, I, I want to. I wrote down one of the scenes we had. We played spontaneously. We had just been given uh, the instructions to the quest Bilbo wanted us to go on. Bilbo was the quest giver, and we're all related to him somehow. Um, and it was a, it was a sweet little cute kind of kind of mundane, low stakes kind of burglary mission. <laughs> and um, we spent the night at his place to leave early in the morning and this scene took place completely spontaneous and improvised among players uh, the, the night before we went out on the adventure. And I'm going to read it as if like an audiobook with narration and do several characters. <clears throat> Just to showcase my voice. <laughs> Here we go. Esmeralda took, tossed and turned. Sleep was an elusive creature tonight. She was on the brink of a genuine adventure prescribed by cousin Bilbo himself. She was well aware that the likelihood of encountering a dragon was slim, yet she could always harbor hope. She leaned over the edge of her bunk, peering at her elder brother Paladin, who was also wrestling with sleep. Pal, she whispered, with a volume that belied the term. Pal, are you awake? You think we'll see elves? Paladin sighed, mulling over her question. It's unlikely, but perhaps. How tall are elves? Twice the height of a hobbit. Oh. And dwarves, how tall are they? One and a half hobbit. And trolls, how tall are... Rory Mac Brandybuck groaned in his bed from the other side of the room, interrupting her. Can you two keep quiet? We have a long journey ahead tomorrow. I'm trying to sleep. Esmeralda crossed her arms, laying back down, gazing suddenly at the ceiling for a moment, before turning to look at her brother again. How tall are trolls? This time she attempted to whisper a bit quieter. Four hobbits. Four hobbits. Esmeralda tried to imagine what that would look like. But something so large wouldn't even fit in this room. I hope we get to see a troll. Paladin smiled. Yeah, let's hope. Now sleep, Esme, or you'll miss the trolls. 
so yeah, that was a really cute scene. Like the the game was full of scenes like that. But <laughs> I just thought I love moments like that. I know some people prefer to fight the dragon and and use their critical damage and you know do their do their stunts and and stuff like that. But these are the moments that I just adore. Moments when you relate to each other like the characters would in the world they inhabit. So, I am back, I guess. Um, stay tuned for next week's rant. Thank you for listening. I love you. <laughs>